he's a native Texan, president of the Fredericksburg Tea Party, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get Matt Long, and this is the Matt Long Show. All right, folks, good morning. So happy to be here with you. Cool, cooled off a little bit this morning, man. I'm telling you, yesterday evening, opened the uh, the front door just to let some fresh air in, and uh, what a pleasant relief. And so there you go. Uh, don't look for that again until uh, late September. So if you missed it last night, you're, you're just, uh, you're just out of luck. And, uh, so I don't know what's going on, but, uh, we're certainly having a hot, a hot one, hot, dry one already. I don't know these ducks, these weird ducks. They're the ones that, um, I think some people have called them wood ducks. I don't think that's right. I looked up wood ducks and they didn't match. They're those, those kind of skinny, tall ducks and they make a sound that sounds like a a dog squeeze toy. Um, and you know what I'm talking about if you've got them. Well, they, a bunch of them flew in around my pond yesterday, which has no water in it. So I'm hoping, I'm just hoping that maybe they know that water is coming. And so they're uh, maybe just getting, uh, you know, getting their reservations, getting their seats early. Um, because I usually don't see those uh, squeaker ducks uh, unless there's a lot of water in the pond. So who knows? Could be a sign. Listen, we got a great show for you lined up today. We have uh, Jonathan Science is going to be on today. We're going to uh, talk some about the uh, Republican uh, State Convention. Um, got some interesting. Okay, there we go. Whistling ducks. Kathy Lux just sent me whistling ducks. And uh, she knows what I'm talking about. You know, when I first started looking those up, there was a, I found a post of uh, someone who had them, and they said, oh, their sounds are so great. I love their little uh, squeaking noises. And uh, the next person in the post said, yeah, wait until you have 200 of them in the tree in your front yard. So um, anyway, I still like them. Thanks, Kathy. The uh, whistling ducks, I know they're very interesting. They're very bizarre looking. Um, I haven't tasted one yet, but that would uh, that I think that will be the uh, next uh, uh, the next stage of research into these uh, squeaking whistling ducks. All right, so back to the program. Jonathan Science is going to come in, and I uh, saw him and his people up at the uh, Republican State Convention. Want to talk to him a little bit about that, and then we're also going to talk about the um, the Dobbs decision, the uh, recent. Um, overturning of uh, Roe v. Wade and uh, the implications for that in Texas, because depending on where you look, there's uh, everybody's got an answer, but why is everybody's answers a little bit different than the last person you read about? So hopefully um, Jonathan Science Esquire, who has actually um, spent time at the uh, Supreme Court in the United States, I don't know if he has presented a case, but I know he's uh, been there, um, uh, uh, put in uh, amicus briefs, and so and has participated. But he's going to come on and probably one of the best authorities 
on what this means uh, now that the Dobbs decision has been made. So um, he'll be calling in here actually in about three minutes. So uh, what else do I have on the calendar? I sat down with Mayor Gerald Hoover yesterday afternoon in Fredericksburg. We had a great visit. Um, I'm going to fix that uh, interview up and play it on Monday. Um, I will, I mean, sorry, on Friday. On Friday, I'm going to play that interview on Friday. Um, and, uh, the, the, the thing I got out of it was, um, I got a little bit of hope. Um, I got a little bit of, uh, thinking maybe there may be a, a slight turning of the, uh, uh, the city council and the leadership in Fredericksburg. We'll see how that plays out, right? It always sounds good when they're running for office and, uh, of course, when they get in, and so um, I have I have some hope after my long visit with Mayor Hoover yesterday. A lot of it was not recorded on purpose. We just sat and visited for a while, and then I said, "All right, let's uh, turn on the tape recorder." Well, it wasn't really tape, but uh, anyway. So we've got that uh, um, lined up for you on Friday. That's going to be real good. Um, getting engaged, and that was one of the things Mayor Hoover and I talked about was the engagement of citizens, and um, and I'm, I think you'll like what you hear from uh, Mayor Hoover on Friday. Um, but Jeanette Hormuth, in the meantime, uh, Jeanette Hormuth, who has been um, kind of the lead in um, fighting City Hall, if you want to put it that way, in Fredericksburg, um, is uh, sent out an email, and uh, on Tuesday the 5th, uh, this coming Tuesday, while everybody's still probably driving back from their 4th of July weekend, the uh, city council is going to be meeting. They're going to be having a um, a city budget discussion, all right? And so this is really important for you to speak up and take um Put in your two cents on where the budget should be and where you think money should be spent. Um, I know the city is uh, considering hiring a new librarian. Uh, That's very important. The city is also talking about spending a whole lot of money on pickleball courts. Listen, I I don't know. I have a problem when uh, cities pay a lot of money for golf courses. And, of course, all you golfers out there are all cursing me right now. But I don't know. Um, pickleball do the, I think we should have the golfers play for the pay for the pickleball court and the pickleball players pay for the, um, the golf course. How does that sound? Um, all right. So, uh, Jeanette says, uh, get engaged, go up there Tuesday, um, to city council meeting at, uh, six o'clock at the law enforcement center in Fredericksburg. All right, uh, on down your calendar, July 17th, Sunday, no time to run. We're going to talk more about that as we get closer. A little bit of Ben Franklin before we take off here. Let's see, I marked one. Um, Here's one that fits right in. You know, a lot of you have been telling you, I've been looking at you and saying, you know, the um, you're trying to use logic and reason. And they look at me like, well, yeah, Matt, that's the only thing I know. Um, even Ben Franklin, even Ben Franklin knew there were times when logic and reason were no good. And so here he goes. He says, would you persuade? In other words, he's asking, do you want to persuade somebody? All right. He says, and speak of interest, not of reason. The person you're trying to, to persuade, why does it tie to them? All right. What makes it interesting to them and not reason? 
All right, y'all stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back with Jonathan Science. Folks, we are back, and uh, by the way, you know, I put these uh, programs up on uh, <clears throat> Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, Radio Public Breaker, all kinds of crazy places you can find these podcasts, and uh, so uh, sometimes uh, I was in the habit there of getting them up all, every day, and uh, that has, uh, man, I've run into all kinds of uh, issues, uh, not, and Bob's over there shaking his head, no, it's my own. I ended up canning peaches all day, all day yesterday afternoon, and I didn't get my programs up. So, Jonathan Science uh, with um, Texas Values. Welcome to the Matt Long Show. Good morning, Jonathan. Good to be with you, Matt. So, uh, Mr. Science is um, is an attorney. Unlike me, I just stayed in the Holiday Inn for a week, but uh, Mr. Science is an attorney, and we're going to talk to him today about the SCOTUS decision. That will be the last on the list, the uh, Dobbs decision. We're going to talk a little bit about the Republican convention as well, because I saw Jonathan and all of his people up there uh, two weeks ago all week in Houston. Uh, But first, Jonathan, uh, please tell us about Texas Values and Texas Values Action and uh, who you are and what you guys do. Well, Texas Values, Texas Values Action are the largest faith and family nonprofit Christian-based organizations in the state of Texas. So we focus on the issue of faith, family, and freedom, and we do that work in the courts, the legislature, and the media. So we're the lead group that gets pro-life groups, pro-life laws passed, religious freedom laws passed. We also go into school boards and try to get good results on issues that parents care about. We also work on empowering people throughout the state of Texas to exercise their constitutional and Christian freedom rights. And we've got supporters in all 254 counties of the state. We've been around for 10 years. Myself, I'm a fifth generation Texan and really honored to do the work that we do. We'll get involved in elections. We'll endorse candidates. We really try to exercise a comprehensive approach to advocacy. And uh, I have to say that the uh, Fredericksburg Tea Party and so many of the grassroots uh, conservative actives around the state have um, relied upon and worked with uh, Texas values um, over the years that I have been engaged and find them to be very, very helpful when we are up at Austin, especially in putting together our testimony and things like that. So let's, um, the Republican Convention, what... um, you and I were there uh, all uh, la- or two weeks ago, and I saw several of your people up there as well. What uh, was there anything that came as a surprise during the Republican convention? Was there anything that caught you off guard? I don't think so. I mean, I think our organization is so active in the state. We have a pretty good idea of what grassroots conservatives and Republicans are thinking and where their heart is and, you know, where um, they want to see things move. I mean, uh, one of the members, former members of our team is Naomi Narvaez, who serves on SREC. So we have a pretty good idea of what's going on. And, and, you know, when you get to the Republican convention, this is the people that are probably the most active with the different issues that we work on. Many of them 
are involved in the Republican parties in their local areas. And so, you know, one thing I did, I don't want to say it surprised me, it was notable that I didn't think there was quite that much media coverage during the week. Uh, it seemed like it wasn't until after the convention was over that there was a lot of media attention. And, I mean, look, Houston's the fourth largest city in the country, and we're right there at the biggest, one of the biggest convention centers in the state, if not the world, the George R. Brown Convention Center. I didn't see a whole lot of media there uh, during the week, and typically that you will see that. And so, you know, whether that was because Abbott didn't attend and, you know, it's not a presidential year, uh, that's possible. But, you know, that didn't bother me that much because we have – our own media outlets. We've got a lot of social media following on our own channels. And so we distribute out our own information. I had a lot of great interviews. We did a sit down interview in our media booth with chairman, Matt Rinaldi, also Rafael Cruz, um, Congressman Chip Roy. So we had a lot of good interaction. Uh, but we, you know, if people want to go to our website, txvalues.org, we do have a June 30th fiscal year in deadline um, that we're hitting tomorrow. So we still got a little bit of money to raise before uh, June 30th, just the way our budget is set up. And so, you know, but um, I, I do think that after the convention was over, the media had a lot to say when they saw how some of the votes went down. But I wasn't surprised by the results of platform and um, legislative priorities. Yeah, the uh, priorities, we finally, it took them three days or four days to count up the votes on our priorities and I've been looking for the uh, platform vote. And then I got a note yesterday that apparently <clears throat> they were, the Republican Party of Texas received the wrong counting machine. And so Ooh. the reason, <clears throat> we heard this uh, from, um, I believe, Rinaldi, and then it came down, I, but my uh, uh, SREC man uh, sent me a note last night and said, yeah, they uh, had all our ballots for the platform and uh, they went to put them in the counting machine, and they had the wrong dadgum machine. So we're Ouch. still waiting for the results of the platform. Um, I doubt anything gets, you know, rarely does anything get voted off the platform. We keep growing it and growing it. So I don't think there will be any big surprises on that. But it might still be a couple of days before we get the platform results. And by the way, I have watched a couple of your interviews Folks, you need to go check those out at texasvalues.org uh, and texasvaluesaction.org. And uh, they uh, interviewed quite a few people, and they've got some good materials up there. Um, the um, You said something about the press at the convention. You know, it was interesting that uh, we were getting no coverage until we started booing John Cornyn. <laughs> right now see i was out of touch see you and i we're, we're locked in not locked in but we're up there and so we're not turning on our tvs or anything so i was uh, checking with a friend of mine the next day and they said oh yeah when we booed john Cornyn, it made the national news on every channel that it was like all of a sudden flash flash uh, republicans boo um uh, Cornyn. i have had several discussions about whether that was appropriate um, is that, um, and I even commented, you know, my grandmother would have said that, that he, no matter how horrible you think he's voted, that that was, uh, that that was inappropriate. Where do you come down on that kind of thing? Cause I'm getting a lot of different viewpoints on that. 
Well, I was not in the room when that happened. Um, I was in and out doing a lot of different stuff earlier that morning. And so I wasn't, it wasn't a priority to me to listen to John Cornyn speak Mm -hmm. or some of the other elected officials. So I didn't hear it. And so I'm not sure really how it played out. But look, I mean, if that's the way the delegates feel, I don't think it's out of line. I mean, this is sort of your own event. This is a Republican event. Um, And I realize there's some media coverage, but it's not as if, I mean, this to me seemed like a, uh, an accurate expression of how people feel. And so, um, and that's when you should do it. When, when you're having sort of your own Republican party meeting, you should be able to express those concerns and be honest about it. And, and I think it's been growing for a while. There've been people have been concerned about John Cornyn's voting record and his approach. And a lot of people feel like he's out of touch. I hardly ever hear from any members of their team. I find it hard to connect with them at times. And so, uh, I wasn't surprised by that as well. I didn't think that it was out of line, um, you know, because people cheer and sometimes people boo, right? I mean, and so, um, you know, that's what, you know, happened. And I think part of why people were booing, in my opinion, is because they don't think he's been listening for a while. And so what else can you do? You know, he's there. Uh, this is your chance to sort of express yourself. And I think that's what delegates decided to do. Now, help us out as an attorney. I'm, I'm, I am nearly positive that we do not have a, a, a form of recall in the state of Texas. So let's give us your, uh, as an attorney, is do we have a recall, a, a, a way to recall an elected official in Texas? I don't, not that I'm aware of it. I've never seen any of like that in, attempted. And so, you know, um, no, is the answer. And so, but look, I mean, the, the, the way that you handle these things is when that person runs again, you make sure that somebody else is uh, challenging them. But also in the meantime, you contact their office um, ahead of time and, and continue to express that concern. If they want to ignore it, that's up to them. But um, don't let it, don't go silent towards them to where they think, oh, they're okay now. You got to keep communicating with them. And that's what we do through our website, Texas, um, txvaluesaction.org txvaluesaction.org. We've got an action center. During the legislative session last year, we had over 200,000 messages go through our system that sent messages to uh, members of the Texas House and Senate during the legislative session. It was pretty powerful. Yeah, I remember that drive uh, when uh, y'all first introduced that idea. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, it turned Abbott, and um, I'm pretty sure it turned both Abbott and uh, uh, Lieutenant Dan's uh, heads a little bit when those uh, emails uh, and your contacts started going out. Uh, Mr. Science, um, we want to talk about SCOTUS, and I don't want to interrupt that uh, in the middle of uh, the discussion on Dobbs. So we're going to take a short break right now, and when we get back, we're going to kind of break down the Dobbs decision and what that means in Texas, because we are hearing, I mean, every we're hearing every different uh, iteration of what that could mean for Texas, and I'm going to trust whatever Mr. Science says. So y'all stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. All right, folks, we are back. You're listening to the Matt Long Show, and I have on the line with me Mr. Jonathan Science Esquire. Yes, he is truly 
an attorney, he dresses like one, speaks like one, and I'm telling you, I got to know, I, you know, I don't know if you know, knew this, but I was on the rules committee, Jonathan, at the uh, state convention, which meant that. I, I, yeah, I sat in a room for, full of attorneys for about 50 hours, and um, it was uh, it was quite interesting. I think I learned a new language. You guys kind of speak your own language. I'll tell you what, when I went um, to law school, and, and I graduated from the University of Houston Law Center uh, in 2003, almost 20 years ago, it was like that. I mean, you felt like you were learning another language. Obviously, there's a lot of Latin that's used in law, but I mean, just other terms that um, I had never heard of before. But, you know, a lot of times it's not intended to be like to act like you're smarter. It's just it matters to be very specific sometimes in areas of law. And so, you know, sometimes there might be a word that's really unique or different, but it, spit, it fits a definition or it fits a meaning so well that you use that. And look, I mean, you know, you see some of the things that we deal with, they're life and death, right? Yeah. Talk about the issue of abortion. You look at religious freedom, whether churches can stay open, all of those things are really, really critical matters. And so when you deal with them, you want to be as precise as possible. So talk to us about Dobbs. I think uh, the Dobbs decision um, was uh, is so many people that just for 50 years have been fighting for this, and I'll have to confess that this was not at the top of my list. Um, I was very, uh, my attitude towards abortion for a long time was, I'm glad I'm not a woman, all right? And uh, it really was. That's just, that was my answer. Um, I'm glad I'm not a woman, and I won't ever, ever have to face that decision. Um, but I have completely come around, but I have not been in that fight like so many people have been for so many we're losing something. Here we go. All right. So uh, tell us about the uh, impact on Texas, particularly on the Dobbs uh, decision. Break that down for us, please, sir. Well, first of all, let's all remember that Roe versus Wade is a Texas case. It started in Texas, started in Dallas County. Henry Wade in the Roe versus Wade. Henry Wade was the district attorney for Dallas County. Roe was a pseudonym for a woman named Norma McCorvey, who never had an abortion. She became pro-life. This case was decided in 1973. What does that mean? That means we had laws in place before 1973 that were being challenged that did not allow abortion, um, except in some rare circumstances, to save the life of the mother. We didn't know a whole lot about that back then. We know now that that's really not a reason uh, either or an exception, but that was the status of the law, um, you know, 50 years ago. And so you have to, first of all, as Texans, we need to remember that's where, and that's going to become important in just a second. Um, so this is what the Dobbs v. Jackson court decision, which effectively overturned Roe versus Wade. And, and I say effectively, the court specifically said that, um, what it means is it means that states now get to decide how they want to deal with this issue. The Supreme Court is saying we no longer acknowledge it as a constitutional right. It should have never been categorized that way to begin with. So we're not involved in this decision anymore. The states, y'all figure it out. It's not our decision. Because before, the Supreme Court said, oh, yeah, it is our decision. We're going to tell Texas and every other state, you can't pass the laws the way the people in your state vote and decide to do it. We're taking all that power away. So in this case, the Supreme Court said we're giving the power back to the people. 
Now, in the state of Texas, the people have already spoken on this issue uh, through elected officials and other votes that have been taken over years on these issues. The status of our law is, number one, we have the Texas heartbeat law, which you can't have an abortion when a heartbeat is detected. That could be as early as four or five weeks. I mean, you really can't know before then that a woman's pregnant anyway. So it's a virtual complete ban. But then we also have a law that says 30 days after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, that law that abortion is completely illegal in every stage. And so we'll get to that pretty soon. But we also have the laws that were in place before the Roe versus Wade decision. We're calling them now the pre-Roe statutes. And so as soon as the Supreme Court overruled Roe versus Wade, and Attorney General Paxton has made this clear as well in his uh, advisory letter that he sent out the day of the opinion, that abortion's illegal completely in the state of Texas. That's where we are. Mm. So we really have three paths we're leaning back on, if I understand that correctly. Um, there have been, we've already gotten a quite a uh, pushback from, there was one judge, I believe, in Texas who uh, ordered uh, six different um, attorney generals or attorneys general in uh, the big cities in Texas, telling them they did not have to, um, um, they did not have to prosecute these cases. How does a judge get to do that and just say never mind to the uh, uh, to the Supreme Court? That ruling out of Harris County has no legal significance at all. None. It doesn't. I mean, and so judges sometimes do things that are completely out of their power and out of their um, jurisdiction, and that's what happened here. I mean, the the appellate court, and if not the appellate court, the Texas Supreme Court, they're going to slap this down very soon. So if, if I, you know, abortion entities out there, they should not be uh, deciding, oh, now we're going we're gonna to do abortions between conception and four or five weeks. I mean, it's such a small amount of time. They're taking a big risk, but there's no legal standing for them to do it. And this ruling only applies to whoever was involved in that litigation, if at all. And it doesn't apply at all. But it certainly does not apply to the entire state. And so, I mean, this is a sham. This is just a strategy by the other side to distract people. So, you know, and I guess the judge in, in uh, Houston didn't get the memo that Roe versus Wade has been overturned. So the legal basis of saying that you can't ban abortion in Texas is gone. So, and I get it. They're dealing with... You know, they're going through, um, you know, some some post-traumatic stress disorder. And not to make light of that, they're living in an alternate reality. They don't want to accept that the Supreme Court, who they have said, many of these people and these judges have said for years, oh, that's the supreme law of the land. Whatever they say, every mm. court has to follow that. Remember that? After the same-sex marriage case, they said, oh, yeah. oh, well, Texas can't do what they want. You have to do what the U.S. Supreme Court says. Well, that applies here, too. And so that's just, you know, look, that, that's just a, a stunt by the abortion entities, and it's not going to hold any water. So um, the, is there a difference between uh, the pre-Roe law and the trigger law? I've read the trigger law a number of times. It's easy. It's like, I don't even think it's three pages long. Um, is there a difference between that law and the pre Roe law that's been in the books. By the way, some uh, some people say that uh, it, it wasn't removed uh, by a vote, but it was removed, or it was uh, we're ignoring it. I can't remember the term they used. 
Is You're talking there, about the pre-rose statutes? Yes, pre-rose statutes. Yes, sir. I mean, no, there's the the legislature has never specifically removed those statutes. They have. There, there's nothing officially that's ever happened. The U.S. Supreme Court, um, when they ruled on this issue in the Roe versus Wade case, did not order that those state uh, statutes be re- repealed. So they're still there. I mean, some people tried to argue, well. You know, they've been there so long and they've sort of been ignored. So because of that passage of time, you know, that means that they're not in effect. That's not a legal argument. I mean, that's just opinion that people are saying. So the difference between the pre-row statutes and the trigger law is a matter of time. The the trigger law, which is is really called the Human Life Protection Act, the reason people use the word trigger is because when Roe versus Wade is overturned, it triggers that now you've got a new law or it it then springs into effect or allows to go into effect um, a law that says abortion is banned through all stages. But there's a 30-day waiting period mm-hmm. on that. So that um, Human Life Protection Act that was passed last year at the legislature and signed by Governor Abbott uh, has a 30-day waiting period after the ruling or the judgment is official from the U.S. Supreme Court. So it's really, primarily, it's just a matter of time. That's the biggest difference. The, um, I find it interesting, one article I read also um, on the day last Thursday when this ruling came out that there were uh, women in line at a clinic in Texas, and they just stopped right there. They said no more in the middle of the day. And so I'm, I, I would find it very interesting to come back in, in, say, 18 or 20 years and speak to that last woman who was in line who did not have her baby aborted um did did our our um the these uh, clinics uh, reacting that quickly or are they going to take it up to the last day to july what 23rd i believe i mean i don't have a faith in a lot of what abortion entities say and their leaders I, I don't think they're honest and trustworthy so who knows what they're really doing but it was reported last friday that all the abortion clinics in texas said that they were stopping abortions which, great. I mean, that's wonderful, right? That's what they should do. I mean, that's what the law and the Supreme Court requires. You know, the entity that they pledge allegiance to, if you will, I, we don't always see it that way. We don't think the Supreme Court should have that much power. But a lot of those people on the left and the pro-abortion types, that's what they have said because, you know, Roe versus Wade sort of became their Bible or their religion that they, you know, worshipped and, you know, um, pledged allegiance to and, and followed and so um, that's what they should do. If that's how they've operated in the past. Uh, but, you know, look, and that's the impact of the Supreme Court decision. I mean, it does have significance. It does have a role to play. And that's, um, that's how it should play out throughout the country and other states that have spoken on this issue. And so, and this is giving the power back to the people. Um, and look, we've got information on our website, what we're talking about with some more details about the status of law and all that good stuff txvalues.org you can find that we've also got great videos where we discuss this issue as well as a matter of fact we're doing one later today uh we we did this on friday um but we're going to do it again today just to to answer some of the questions that you're talking about that people are asking obviously some court activity since then you know here in texas and so um if people go to our facebook page i think that we're looking at uh look at my schedule real quick um at um, around one o'clock. Yeah, I think we're looking at about, uh, 1230 or 1 PM. Uh, today we're going to have a live broadcast with uh, a number of the experts from our team. 
discussing these issues. All right. Folks, a tremendous resource for you, uh, Mr. Jonathan Science Esquire. Really thank you for coming on to the program today. And, uh, folks, y'all go check out txvalues.org, txvaluesaction.org, and definitely go check into this uh, live broadcast this afternoon. I talked to some people who were on the uh, 6 o'clock Friday, last Friday, I believe it was in the evening phone call, who liked what they saw and heard there. So y'all get, if you need more information on that, uh, go to txvalues.org and check it out. Again, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. God bless. And if people like the work we're doing, we've got our June 30th deadline coming up. Please consider a tax-deductible donation at txvalues.org. Appreciate you, Matt. There you go. All right, folks, uh, y'all stay tuned. We're going short. We're going to take a short break and... Uh, I think we got gremlins in the uh, in the studio today. They're running around. We're not going to feed them though. We're not going to feed them after midnight. We promise. <laughs> Y'all uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Again, uh, more information, um, I recommend tuning in today, going on Facebook, finding TX Values uh, on Facebook, and uh, tuning in, and so they have a really good chance to, uh, and probably being on Facebook, uh, have a good chance for you to possibly ask questions on how this is all going to work out. Um, still want to talk about children. This is so... This is so important. Um, we're still dealing with the whole, uh, this whole transgender thing. I'm, I'm starting, especially among youth. Listen, let's be real clear on this. If you're a grown up and then sound of mind, well, you're probably not if you're a grown up and thinking you're in the wrong body. But if you're a grown up, if you're of legal age and you, you want to hack your body up, you want to um, wear, you know, put on a dress. If you're a boy, put on a dress and, and, uh, wear makeup and, and have implants or top surgery or bot. Listen, if you're a grown up adult, I, I, I wish you wouldn't. I hope you don't do that. I'm concerned for your soul. If you, um, if, if by flying in the face of God like that, but, um, when it comes to, uh, legally and, uh, a free American, um, you know, c- c- that's up to you. Go for it. When we push these on our children is, um, is when it's very, very, it, when it's very wrong. In fact, I barely caught this. It was like out of the corner of my ear when uh, I was listening to different coverage on the Dobbs decision. And one of the three who voted against the Dobbs decision, uh, one of the women, I can't remember which one it was, but, um, very clearly, and I thought it was very, very interesting that um, in her decision, oh, you know what? I knew this wasn't making sense in my head. All right, I got to start all over. This was the decision about that came down about the high school coach that was praying before the game. All right, now that decision came out. 
I was working this up in my head this morning along with the um, uh, Dobbs decision, and it didn't make any sense, and now I know why. So in the, 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 the football coach uh, from Washington State who had a habit of going out to the middle of the field after every game and just kneeling and praying, Win or lose, win, lose, or draw, he would go out there, and he did it on his own. He didn't tell people about it, and he did it on his own and and went out there and uh, prayed, and, of course, he got in trouble. And the school fires him or whatever they did. They disciplined him. Oh, they told him he could uh, he could go pray if he wanted to, but he had to go up into the, um, like, off of the field. Um, I think they offered to let him pray in the press booth or something, um, and when there wasn't anybody in there or he could go off the field and he said, no, I just want to pray. And then of course, kids wanted to pray with him. He didn't force them to, but of course the, the argument was that, well, he's the coach. He's a person of authority. If you don't go out and pray, he's going to hold that against you. That was the argument. And of course we, we know that, that Christians don't behave that way, right? For the most part. So that wasn't what was going on, and, and, and you could choose to go out there and pray with them or not. So it goes to the Supreme Court, which also it got a 6-3 to three vote, which is great, um, which means that Roberts went along with it. And um, in the, the, um, uh, the, the, the losing sides argument, see, this is where I'm not a lawyer, uh, the side that lost, they get to put in their little arguments as well, very revealing, and I, I this justice, whoo, she's going to hate it when this comes back to bite her. But in her line, talking about these poor children that might be persuaded by a coach, therefore making it, you know, state and uh, church or something, she said that young children are easily manipulated and that they are vulnerable and that they require the most protection the state can give them. Did you hear that? This is a Supreme Court judge, a liberal Supreme Court judge, who very publicly said that children are easily persuadable and they are vulnerable and therefore, we should do, as a court, everything we can to protect them. Boy, I wonder where she's going to stand when it comes to transgendering children, when it comes to taking a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old girl in and doing top surgery on a, on a teenage girl. Will, will the Supreme Court liberal Supreme Court judge use that language i'll tell you what i will i will use it i will point out to her when uh, when this comes before the court we'll say well this is going to be a slam dunk because the liberal justices already believe that our children need protection they believe that children are vulnerable and that they are easily persuaded right and uh, so this whole nonsense about when a 12 or 13 or 14-year-old girl comes up to you, to their mom, and says, Mom, I think I'm a boy. And the whole movement now is that mom is supposed to say, Oh, you must be. You, you got put in the wrong body. Let's do everything we can to fix God's mistake. Well, guess what's happening now? We've had a few years into this, and the stories are starting to come out 
of some of these children who have now become adults and they look down at a mutilated body and now they have a brain of an adult. They no longer have a brain of a child. They have a brain of adult. They've lived long enough and they're realizing that that was a stupid decision. And how, how do you hold your parents accountable for that? Right? much less the state or the doctor who decided it was perfectly okay to fill your body full of these puberty blocking uh, um, chemicals and then start hacking away at your body. Wow. So here we go. Uh, here is a story. Uh, this was in, uh, made it into the California, um, uh, California, uh, California state assembly. They're looking at a bill SB 107, which would make uh, uh, California a refuge for trans youth, their parents, and those who would advocate for and provide gender-affirming medical treatments. All right, so that's going on in California. So a brave citizen goes up to the Capitol to testify. Um, She is now 17 years old. Um, She testified before the California committee hearing on June 28th, urging state lawmakers to reject the legislation that would make California a transgender sanctuary state. So here's from her testimony. Her name is Chloe Cole, and she's from the Central Valley. And here's what she said. I was medically transitioned from ages 13 and 16. And she said she suffered irreversible consequences from surgeries and hormone treatment. So see, this girl didn't even have to get that out. She reaches 17. She's now, what, four years into this transition, has had the top surgery. Now she's old enough, her brain's developing, and she, (laughs) she said that was dumb. Cole said when she was younger, her parents took her to a therapist who, quote, affirmed my male identity, quote, and brushed off concerns about the efficacy of hormones, hormones, puberty blockers, and surgeries. Um, She goes on to say, uh, my parents were given the threat of suicide as a reason to move forward in my transition. All right, we're running out of time to continue to talk about this. But, uh, again, I want to go to what Jesus said about the children. And uh, he basically said, uh, you know, bring, these, bring me a kid. Let me show you. This child, if, until you become the way this child is, you will not be able to enter into heaven. And then he goes on and says that if you mistreat a child, then we're going to take a millstone, tie it around your neck, and throw you into the ocean. Man, I don't even think you know what a mill... If you don't know what a millstone is, it's big. Folks, y'all stay tuned. We'll be back, and uh, stay tuned for Lorraine. 